it could be a very beneficial tool. But like everything, I've seen I've I've seen cringy presentations of people like way overselling it. And I'm going to talk about from my point of view the the cons or at least what you need to know about before getting into a strategy like this one. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the cons. Yes, the cons of overfunding life insurance. This is very, very important to me. I get very passionate about this because in the way that we work with clients is we're very, very upfront with everything. I've seen life insurance oversold. I've seen it, quite frankly, I've seen people misled into doing something. And at the end of the day, I want you to be very clear with this. Also, a common question that we get is, what are the catches? This sounds way too good to be true. And I think at the end of this, you'll understand you'll understand where we're coming from as it relates to how to answer this question, okay? So real quickly, why, why do people even save money into life insurance and all this stuff. If this is the first video that you're watching. Essentially, I wrote the book called The And Asset. When life insurance is set up and used properly, it is an amazing place to save money. Note, I didn't say invest, but to save money, have it grow the rest of your life, be able to use that as an asset to do other things like control capital. It shows up really powerfully in retirement. It can protect you in your future legacy. It could be a very beneficial tool. But like everything, I've seen cringy presentations of people like way overselling it. And I'm going to talk about, from my point of view, the the cons or at least what you need to know about before getting into a strategy like this one. Okay, so con number one is your health. Now, the nice thing about the and asset is it's we're not necessarily we're not having a conversation like term insurance. You're not necessarily getting an and asset because you need life insurance. You're getting it because it's a contract that allows your money to grow. You can use that cash, and it's just it like the name it says at the end. It gives you a lot of different opportunities. So there's some people that want this that literally can't qualify for it because they're so unhealthy or they're at an age or it's just like the insurance company doesn't want to take a you, you take that risk and saying, hey, I'm on the hook to pay this big death benefit and I don't want to take that. And so that is a con. There's people that come to us that want the end asset on their life and they're not able to get it. Now, the way around that is, okay, do you have anyone that has insurable interest? Meaning like, you have anybody like that if, if they passed away that it would affect you in some way. It could be a child, it could be a spouse, it could be a business partner. And some people don't. And as sad as it sounds, not everyone is able to get it just because of their health. And we have people come to us that want to get the end asset on their own life that they can't. And then for the most part, we're able to find someone that has an insurable interest, but some people don't. And that's, that's just the reality. Also, if you're not healthy and you're old and you get get qualified for this, it may not be an asset that ever breaks even or works well for you. It just, it, it just may, like you may, or your health may be at a point where it's just like, listen, it might be a good legacy piece, but if you want to use it as an and asset, as a cash benefit, it may not make sense. It, that's, you know, rare, but there's some cases that that's the case. Number two, short-term cash liquidity. Okay. So uh, some people come to us and they're like, they need all their money immediately. These are real estate and crypto people. They don't necessarily value emergency funds. And they, if they have a hundred thousand dollars, they want to use 100% of that hundred thousand and anything less is like getting ripped off. I'll be straight up with you. The and asset strategy is not for you. The and asset strategy when, you know, 
traditional life insurance, like you have no cash in the first couple of years, the end asset strategy gives you a lot of cash, whether it's 70% or you know close to 90% in first year, depending on how you structure it and, and front load it and whatever, that's, that's a whole nother video. But the point is you still have a cash liquidity difference. And that's very, very important for you to know. And I'm not apologizing for it, that's fine, because what you're building is you're building an asset that's gonna grow for you the rest of your life. But if you're someone that needs quick cash, even if you do a front-loaded strategy, which just is like front-loading a policy, having a lot of cash saved up, you're not gonna get 100% liquidity, you're, not, you're, not, you're barely gonna get 90%. And, and so it's again, it's, it's totally fine, it's super amazing setup, but if you need all your money right up front and that's a deal breaker, there's, there's no way that this can be designed that's gonna benefit you long-term that gives you dollar for dollar access in the first couple of years. It takes, it takes a couple of years. Now, the point is you have access to that money that you can use and your money continues to grow. And if that concept is so, so powerful, but it's still like, it's, it's, it's just the fact is you don't, you don't have all your money up front. And if that's a game changer, then, then this is not the right strategy for you. The third area is premium payments. Like I'm just very clear with somebody. It, it's interesting to me. Like I used to, when I first got into this, so, like if you could fog a mirror and you just like had a pulse and you had money, I would recommend the and asset and teach people how to pay off their debt, like credit card debt using the and asset and all this stuff. Uh, quite frankly, how the and asset is designed, if you can't save $10,000 a year, at least initially, but I'll just, I think the I'll set the bar at like, if you can't save $10,000 a year, it's probably not the greatest tool for you to use. Yes, you heard me. Yes, I know that might sound like heresy. And again, there's always an exception to the rule if you're a kid, if you're if you want to start off and you're like, hey, I want to digitally save five thousand dollars, and we set up set set something up in a way that could work out. But in just it's my experience that all the problems that we have and just all the issues that we see going forward, it's it's just people that don't have a ton of money. They're trying to to force the strategy because they read my book or they get excited or they see that the super wealthy use it, and then so they're saving little premiums. And they're just like they don't have much money, and they're maybe wanting to pay off debt, and they should just pay off their high interest debt. And I've just found that in most cases, if you don't have at least ten thousand dollars to start this, you should get term insurance and wait till you have that at least initial amount to start. And again, there's an exception for every rule, but if if you cannot save ten thousand dollars a year, this strategy is something that you might want to work up into. It might not be something for you right now, and that that actually solves. 85 to 90% of the issues because a lot of people that have problems with this strategy just don't have enough money to really make this make sense or it takes forever to just get this thing moving. This is really a great strategy if you have upfront cash or you have the ability to save at least $10,000 a year, it can start getting momentum. If not, there's just some fixed cost to each one of these policies that just might not make it beneficial. The, the fourth area is if you think of this as an investment. If you're literally, if this is sold like an investment and you're like, hey, this will outperform this investment and this investment, and, and just be really, really frank with you. If, if I'm talking to you about whole life insurance outperform, outperforming other investments, that means you're terrible at investing your money. And I'm just being really frank. Like I'm, you might think like, wow, Caleb, you're like really frustrated. I'm not, I'm just saying like, listen, if I'm saying that life insurance is out, gonna outperform your other investments, you have a bad investment strategy. Because when like over a long period of time, life insurance, when you add tax advantages and all that stuff is gonna earn you around 7%. And, and just to be really clear, it's not that it's gonna earn you 7%. If you factor in taxes, fees, and all that other thing, you're gonna have to earn about 7% in an alternative account that gives you the kind of the control aspect that life insurance gives you. 
if you know what you're doing, if you're an investor, if you know how to invest your money, you know that life insurance doesn't hold a candle to that. Now, a typical investor, it actually might outperform because Dowbar has done studies and they've shown that people have not earned anywhere near 7% because of emotion, because of high fees, because of a lack of strategy. But I would never try to sell life insurance as a better than your investment because really you have an investment problem. You don't have a life insurance problem. I, I, I think life insurance is amazing, but I talk about it as a storage vehicle, as a savings element, not an investment. That's very, very important because I think a lot of people try to bank, like try to badmouth 401ks or IRAs. And that, that was me when I first got started. And I'm, I really took a step back and like, bro, no, if, if you actually know what you're doing, it's not an alternative. It's not like a better than your investment. It's just different. And, and it's not an investment. It's a place to store capital. And then you can invest from that. And then the fifth area is if you need a short-term protection, this kind of goes back to if you can save 10,000. If you need to protect your life, if you need life insurance now, especially like in, to like if you have kids, if you have debt, and you're going to whole life insurance as a way to as just a sole way to protect your to protect your family, I I I I would be really careful because I don't know if whole life is the most efficient way to just straight up protect your family. This is where a lot of whole life gets gets itself a bad rap because they go like, you know, it's cost, I think Dave Ramsey says it costs 20 times more than the average term policy just to protect. And so what they're doing is they're not, they're not overfunding it. They're just using whole life and saying, oh, I need life insurance. I need this protection. And you're, you're doing a base contract with, it's just not set up like banking. It's not overfunded. It's set up just straight up life insurance. And you're just doing whole life base contract to, to protect yourself, you could easily look back on that and say, wow, I would actually be better off doing term and investing the difference. And, and if you know me, like I, I would never say that unless it's set up if you're just getting life insurance just from the sole protection standpoint and you're and someone's saying, oh, do whole life because it's a permanent protection. Well, in most cases, that policy is just not set up properly. And that's quite frankly why a lot of people give our industry a bad rap is a lot of people are setting up awful garbage policies, but then saying like giving talking points from my book or what other people talk about when it comes to life insurance. And it's like, no, you got to set it up properly. And when you set it up properly, life insurance is not the big selling point because you're minimizing the insurance benefit. I'm not saying that insurance is not needed. Like I would protect your need in life insurance need before you do the savings component because you need to protect yourself. That's the most important thing. So make sure that is covered, and then and then the end asset is just the bonus on the, the the you know the bonus on on that. But if you're if you're trying to use whole life as a way to protect yourself, then it could just be a way to it just might not be set up properly. So the five cons is number one health, number two the short term cash liquidity, number three it's just not for everybody like premium payments wise. It's it's I would say for. 90% of people watching this video, it's probably not the best strategy for you and you should either wait for it or save up, you know, get get term insurance that can get converted to the good stuff. Number four is it's not an investment. And if you're, if you're just putting it in solely as an investment, I think you're going to be disappointed. And number five, it's, it's not, it's not just as a better protection. It can be a very expensive place to just protect yourself. And so understand the other benefits, not just the death benefit side, because I've seen people that talk about the and asset benefits, but are using whole life to just protect them. They're no, none of their money is going to PUAs. And it's just a, it's just a bummer long-term. 
hopefully this this was this was helpful if you if, you, if this was helpful and you're watching this on youtube please leave a review comment if you uh, could give this video a thumbs up and share this with people that you love it it helps us get our our voice out to more and more people and again thank you thank you thank you go and live an intentional life Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.